Hey dudes, this is the big game. I'm Justin Hargett. It's been a while since we talked about the NBA on the podcast here, but there's one series in the opening round of the playoffs that has the potential to be one of the most memorable and exciting first round series in the history of the NBA. We're talking about the reigning champions, the San Antonio Spurs, going up against the third-seeded Los Angeles Clippers, a series now tied one-to-one. The Clippers are led by the TV commercial duo Blake Griffin and Chris Ball, who are trying to out-alley-oop 39-year-old Tim Duncan, five-time NBA champion, going for his sixth championship to match none other than Michael Jordan. Can he do it? Age 39? I don't know. After game two, I think he might give it a good shot. On the show today is Dave Reeves, a Texan Spurs season ticket holder. He was there last year when the Spurs beat the Miami Heat to win their fifth title. We break down the Tim Duncan-Blake Griffin matchup, talk about the sneakily good Kawhi Leonard, and the intimidating, high-octane Clippers offense. Also, please check out our new website, biggamepod.com. It's designed by friend of the show, Nick Courage, and the new site will feature... The entire archive of our past episodes available to stream just for you, anytime you want. We'll also be featuring weekly columns on the upcoming big games to preview the matchups so you can find out what we're going to talk about ahead of time and watch the same game we do. Plus, it gives us the chance to talk about other big games that we don't necessarily have time to talk about here on the pod. Please give it a look and sign up for the newsletter. I promise not to spam you too much. BigGamePod.com. Check it out. Now let's go talk basketball with Dave Reeves. Hey, Dave, thanks for coming on The Big Game. Thanks a lot, Justin. I'm glad to be here. So we just watched a, a real thriller in what is definitely by far the best first-round matchup of the NBA playoffs, which was the Spurs' overtime victory over the L.A. Clippers. Blake Griffin had a triple-double in this game. But the story was old man Tim Duncan, 28 points, just, you know, baby hook after baby hook and just kind of powering the Spurs to a very much needed game two victory. Uh, Now the series is tied at one going back to San Antonio. Um, What was your impression of the game and, and, and the series so far? Well, I was really impressed. You know, in game one, they played like an old team, like a bunch of old guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think last night, you know, Tim Duncan turns 39 this coming Saturday. It's incredible. Yet he was the most dominant player on the Spurs last night, um, making those baby hooks like you mentioned, throwing his body all over the place. Uh, I was really proud of him. Bust to the bench. You know, t- Tony had to step out because of an injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, the Spurs always have somebody ready to ready to step up and take, take someone's place. Yeah, the depth on this team is is really, really impressive to me. And I'm thinking if this thing comes down, because I think this is going to go seven games. I think they're going to swap victories back and forth. Um, but what it's going to come down to in the end is depth. And you're, I'm looking at the stats right now, and you know the Spurs have four players, Bellinelli, Boris Dia, Patty Mills, uh, and Manu Ginobili that have you know nine or almost ten or over ten points. Whereas if you look at the Clippers bench, you know, you've got Jamal Crawford, and that's just about it. Everything else is coming from their starting five. So it definitely seems that the Spurs are, 
you know, coached by uh, Popovich. They're kind of a crafty team. They're they're a sly team, um, but but their depth is is really going to be the key to their, you know, their chance at winning the series. What do you think? Right, it's almost unfair because I think the Spurs have so much of a better bench than any other team out there. Mm-hmm. Any player goes down, there's somebody nearly as good, just as good, ready to take their place. I was going to say, look at Patty Mills. At the very end of the third quarter, uh, kind of beginning of the fourth quarter, actually, Tony Parker goes out, Patty Mills steps up, makes three-pointer after three-pointer, makes nine points in overtime to really help the team out. Yeah, he was really clutch to that team. For me, Boris Diaw is just kind of the most deceptively good basketball player I've ever seen. Because you kind of watch him. He's, you know, he's a, he's a real big guy. He doesn't seem that nimble. When he dribbles, he dribbles really, really high. Um, but he was just putting some moves on, on the Clippers forwards that just, they, they worked. There was finesse. I mean, he got uh, 12 points out of it, nine rebounds. That, I mean, the depth is just astonishing here. Sure. You know, two years ago in the playoffs, uh, I was really let down with Boris's um, performance. But last year, he really stepped it up. He really helped the team get a lot of points, help them, you know, win those series in four or five games and get to the uh, the finals really easily. Um, and although every now and then I've seen him kind of trip up in the past, you know, 15 games or so, I think he's really, um, really critical to this first team. Yeah. And, and you know, so I, th- I think in this episode, you and I, you being a, a Spurs season ticket holder, we're probably going to lean a little heavy on them, especially since they're, you know, the defending champions. And I think they're kind of worthy of our praise and adulation. But the Clippers, you know, as, as much as we're kind of like talking about their lack of depth, their starting five looked looked really, really sharp in this game. Blake Griffin uh, was he, he lived up to all of the hype. That they've that the Kia commercials have been pushing on us for years. <laughs> Those shaken bakes that he had, where he just, you know, he I think he made Boris Diaw look pretty bad, and then I can't remember who the other guy. I think maybe it was even Tim Duncan. He just got right around him for a jam. Like he he looked really really good last night. Uh, are you afraid of the Clippers as a Spurs fan? Well, I will say I'm not afraid. I'm just a little jealous. You know, I'd love to see someone in the Spurs throw down a dunk or an alley-oop <laughs> the way that uh, Blake Griffin can. Yeah. Seeing him, you know, jump feet in the air and get his elbow through the hoop for a dunk is just, it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, even even watching it last night, I loved those plays. I loved seeing him leap from four feet away and just shove his whole arm through the basket. Uh, it was really exciting. Uh, I still love those plays. It, it's exciting, but... Uh, I'm not scared. I'm, I, I'm just a little bit jealous. You know, the Spurs aren't a, a razzle-dazzle team. They don't do alley-oops. They don't do kind of these kind of trick plays and big fancy shots. Uh, they just score points to get wins. Yeah, absolutely. And and they do it really well. And you, I think one of the keys of the Spurs lineup right now is Kawhi Leonard, um, who is just like the the quietest superstar <clears throat> in the NBA. Like, you don't even hear about this guy because... Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, all of these, you know, these are the guys we're talking about. These are the mm-hmm. quote-unquote stars of the Spurs. But Kawhi Leonard scored 23 points really easily last night. And he, he kind of hits these Jordan-esque fadeaways, like, from the baseline and from the elbow that they, you know, I think that's the guy that the Clippers should probably be the most scared of. I mean, you know who he reminds me of? Who's that? Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan. Really? Uh, well... You mentioned how he's quiet. 
he's reserved. He's not someone that celebrates his baskets, gets really riled up. He's just out there to play and to win. And that's that's what we see him done, Tim Duncan. He's Tim Duncan is the least exciting all-star <laughs> playing right now. You know, he, he's no one's um, no one watches because they're looking forward to a, a a jam from Tim Duncan or for him to just uh, plow down the lane. And Kawhi Leonard's the same way. He's a humble guy, just like Tim Duncan is. And I think in San Antonio, we appreciate that. You know, we're be, all of us in San Antonio are Tim Duncan fans. We have been for for 15 years, and so we come to appreciate. Tim Duncan's kind of humble attitude. And so seeing it again in the younger player, an exciting player like Kawhi Leonard, uh, we're thrilled about uh, having him in our franchise. Yeah, you know, I think Tim Duncan has become my favorite NBA player. Um, my college roommate was a huge Spurs fan, so we would, you know, we watched the uh, the series against the Detroit Pistons back in the early 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I was never able to really kind of get behind the Spurs, but just the more I've watched the NBA over the last 10, 15 years, like just seeing him out there so easily at 39, just, and, and you know what, maybe it's just because he's like seven plus feet tall, but the way that he can hit that bank <laughs> shot, it's, it's so good. It's so easy. It's, it's really fun to watch somebody like him play. Uh, being that tall health, but he hit some shots last night that uh, I was really surprised with. He, I know that he's hurt today. Uh, I know that his almost his whole body is probably on ice. <laughs> Yeah, he took a tumble there, I think, in the third or fourth quarter, um, which is actually where his game kind of started to slow down a bit. I think DeAndre Jordan maybe started playing him a little tighter, or maybe they shifted assignments. Um, what was it in the third or fourth quarter that let the Clippers get back into the game? Uh, it was their defense. You know, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Jordan was blocking all kinds of shots, blocking Tim Duncan shots. I am not used to seeing. Tim Duncan get blocked. Yeah, and that's it just, looked really easy too. Like the oh, you're that's right. what was insane. You're right. Uh, and so, you know, Tim Duncan he really did not perform in the fourth quarter, and he knew it, and he felt bad. You know, he after the fourth quarter, uh, about to go in overtime, he went over to his bench, he apologized to his teammates, and, and I know he felt bad about that because he really turned it on in overtime. Yeah, well, it's so incredible to me that that the guy at his age like the Spurs are really relying on him. Like he is like the most vital stats on the team. Um, and it's, it's just crazy to me that, that he is their, their linchpin right now. I mean, is that just because Tony Parker is out injured a little bit? Um, can you give us a little bit more of the backstory of like how the Spurs season went and kind of, I mean, they finished on like a 20 and one or 20 and two run, right? Right. You're right. Exactly. Right. Uh, something I kind of noticed about the season the Spurs really struggled in the first few months of the season, mainly dealing with injuries. Uh, the same starting five players in the the last game of the NBA Finals, those five guys didn't start again until December. Wow. The same five players did not start a game together until December. So San Antonio was resting their players. They were dealing with injuries at the beginning of the season. Meanwhile, the rest of the NBA was playing as hard as they can. And now... What I'm noticing is that so many teams are dealing with injuries. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, uh, via the NBA app on my phone, I'm always seeing notifications about players getting surgery, being out for the season, being out for four to six weeks. They're dealing with these injuries right now, the worst time you possibly could. Meanwhile, the Spurs took it easy at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a really 
really parallels kind of the tortoise in the air here. You know, we have the tortoise, the old spurs, mm -hmm. uh, taking it easy, getting healthy, knowing when they need to um, really excel, waiting for the right time at the very end of the regular season and just uh, kind of catapulting and winning so many games there. Yeah, it was really impressive. I mean, Popovich, he's always this, he's like this enigma of a coach, right? I think <laughs> it's when he, when he gave when he gave his like sideline interview, uh, he just said like one like like simple phrase twice. Like mm -hmm. there was just there was no content to his analysis whatsoever. And I kind of love that about him. He's I mean, I guess that's the Bill Belichick thing, but he pulls <laughs> it off like in a more complimentary way. Pop but is Pop is a uh, a player's dream come true and a journalist's worst nightmare. <laughs> but you know, he's he's famous for for resting his star players on big mm -hmm. road trips on like back to backs and you know, they'll they'll come into New York and, and they'll rest Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and then everybody will be mad that the Spurs stars didn't play like in the spotlight. Um sure. but but like you said, like it's it's a chess game. It's a long season. It's possibly a, a season that's maybe twenty games too long. Uh, for for the player's health, honestly, but he knows how to kind of like massage the the lineups to kind of keep people fresh for the playoffs, and I think that's probably why they've had so much success. Uh, you're right; it is a strategy. Although we all love watching basketball, it's not about us. It's about those teams winning games, winning championships. So us being let down that Tim Duncan's not playing, or Tim Duncan, uh, or um, Tony Parker's been benched. It's not about us. It's about that team winning games and those players staying healthy and not getting injured. Yeah. Well, so how many games do you think this series is going to go? Do you think it's going to be a seven-game series? Um, and if so, who do you think is going to come out on top? Well, I agree it's going to it's going to last a while. Uh, a lot of the other Western Conference first rounds uh, will be over, you know, in, uh, I think in four or five, but the Spurs are going to put up a big five, but so are the Clippers. So uh, I would not be surprised if it went to seven games. I'm not looking forward to that because it's going to be exhausting. Uh, it's, yeah. going to give other, it's going to give their next opponent plenty of rest, uh, but I uh, I can see it going to seven games, which means that the Spurs have to win on the road. Uh, but they've done it. They did it last night, and they can do it again. Yeah. You know, if any team has to win on the road, I think that's probably the team you want. But let's talk a little bit about that last regular season game um, where the Spurs, all they needed to do was to win their last game and they would be the number two seed in the very hotly contested Western Conference. Unfortunately, due to a number of factors, they lost, Houston won, the Clippers won, and they all of a sudden dropped down to the sixth seed in the Western Conference where, you know, they got arguably the toughest first round matchup of the West, even though all of them are still pretty tight. But, you know, how important was losing that game? And do you think that's going to come back to bite them maybe in this series or maybe later on in the playoffs? That was really tough. That was really tough to watch. Uh, I remember watching the game against Houston when we traded spots with Houston. We were sixth. Houston was second. We beat them and we traded. We were second and Houston was sixth. It was so thrilling to watch the Spurs win game after game and work their way up the rankings in the Western Conference. And to see them lose on the last game, uh, I'm not sure what they were thinking. I feel like they could have won it. Um, but, you know, the, the Pelicans, who they played, also had a lot in the line. You know, it was a really close race for eighth yeah. uh, against the Thunder there. 
And so I wouldn't uh, – pardon me, I was wondering if San Antonio didn't play as hard just to get some payback against the Thunder <laughs> to kind of keep them from being in the playoffs, although no one's really worried about them without uh, Kevin Durant. Um, but I was kind of disappointed. You know, home court advantage is huge, especially in San Antonio. We have a huge – loyal fan base there everyone in san antonio is a spurs fan and uh honestly if we had home court events i would get to go to a lot more uh playoff <laughs> games so i'm yeah. a little jealous of that um but it is it's all about the spurs and so you know if pop thought that we needed to rest some of our all-stars in order to be ready for playoffs you know i'm going to support his decisions i don't understand i don't always understand his decisions uh but i'll always stand behind pop yeah, I'm I'm looking at the bracket right now, and it looks like if the if the Spurs had got that second seed, they might have played, uh, they might have played the Mavericks in this first round, and then <laughs> potentially, I mean, even then they probably would have had to play uh, Houston in the next round anyway, and yeah. which is which is what they're going to have to do now. So maybe in the long run, it's not going to affect them too much. Um, and if they got a little bit of rest against the Pelicans, maybe it. You know, leave some in the tank for the for this round against the Clippers. Yeah, in the long run, you know, it might not affect them, but the Spurs are going to have to play really hard every single game. They're not going to get any easy wins. We're not going to get twenty point leads against uh, against Blake Griffin, and so it's gonna it's gonna wear us out. You know, in the beginning, um, if we were playing the Mavs, uh, this would be this would be over in four. You know the Mavs have really kind of kind of fell apart toward there towards the end of the season, but I'm really looking forward to playing the Rockets. I love watching the Rockets play; they're a lot of fun. How was the season series against the Rockets for the Spurs? Uh, definitely a challenge In, with uh, big guys like uh, like Dwight Howard. Um, it's tough, you know. Dwight Howard. When I look at Dwight Howard, uh, I'm reminded of David Robinson. Because they have this, their bodies are the same. Mm-hmm. And David Robinson was a big guy, huge shoulders, really dominant. And when I see Dwight Howard, uh, it looked when if I squint my eyes, it looks like David Robinson <laughs> without the uniform. Uh, sure, of course, of course. Uh, and so uh, Houston, they're an exciting team um, between Dwight Howard and um, uh, and James Harden. Uh, there's some high energy players there, especially James Harden. Uh, I couldn't believe that. Um, the Thunder kind of let him go, released him, and they left. Uh, I think Houston really, really lucked out there. Uh, but they're not to be um, not to be ignored. Once the Spurs make it past Blake Griffin, I think uh, it's still have another challenge ahead of us. This West, this Western Conference is just really good and getting better and better. They've all they've ever since Michael Jordan left, they just really have been dominant. Yeah. Uh, LeBron James, he's um, he's trying, you know, to bring the East back. Uh, you know, changing teams and then changing teams uh, doesn't really <laughs> help with that. But um, so the Spurs are going to have a challenge all the way up till to the finals. I think they're going to make it to the finals. Well, yeah, it looks it looks like the Eastern Conference finals are definitely going to be Atlanta versus the Cavs. I sure. think we could probably just pencil that one in right now. Of course. But like, like you were saying, anything could happen in the West. I mean... Golden State's up two nothing on New Orleans. They're gonna they're gonna get to the second round. They're probably gonna meet Memphis there, so they're probably gonna kind of waltz through to the Western Conference Finals. But it's gonna mm-hmm. be a bloodbath on this kind of like <laughs> southwestern region. It's gonna whether the Clippers make it or whether the Spurs make it, it's gonna be a bloody fight against the Rockets. Um, and whatever team comes out of that 
is going to be probably pretty tired and pretty worn out going against a you know fresh young vibrant golden state warriors in the western conference finals is that kind of how you see the whole thing playing out uh yeah i completely agree with you and everyone most teams in the west are going to be exhausted because we they they all have a long road ahead of them and when hopefully this hopefully with the spurs uh but when the when the spurs play the warriors uh they better have something left in the tank for the cavaliers yeah absolutely i mean to, I, I don't even see, <laughs> frankly, and, and I'm sorry for saying this, I don't see how the Spurs can make it. Uh, I think if they get through this round, they, I could maybe see them getting by Houston. Um, mm-hmm. But to then keep going against those just top, top caliber, yeah. Steph Curry on one side, LeBron James on the other. I mean, just Tim Duncan at 39 is, is not going to be enough. The depth is really going to have to come. I think you're going to have to see a lot of uh, Robert Ori-esque performances <laughs> for the Spurs to kind of make it that far this season. You know, and uh, Robert Ori, and uh, exactly who I was thinking of when you mentioned older players earlier. Yeah. You know, teams hold on to older players for those two or three minutes and when they really need them in the end to make those big shots or to count on their experience. Uh, and the Spurs are going to have a really tough time just getting through on uh, this first round, the second round. Uh, and, and, and you're right. I will be surprised if they have the energy uh, to make it to to the finals because it's just such a tough league. So many young guys in there, tough to keep up with. We all know the Spurs are old. That's what that's the only joke you really hear about <laughs> them. And so it's going to be tough. They're old, but they're, what, four-time champions in the last? Five times. Five-time champions in the last 15 years or so? Yep, five times. Um, I mean, that's so you were there at the end of last season. I mean, can you walk us through the final last year maybe that'll shed a little bit of light on you know what we can expect from the spurs for the rest of the playoffs well it was really incredible uh i, I was for, my wife julianne and i were fortunate enough to go to the championship game uh, <laughs> at awesome. the uh, in san antonio and it did not start off well the last game did not start off well the spurs were down by 10 points and then down by 15 points I had my head in my hands. I was getting really emotional. And then I saw the Spurs just turn it on. I saw Kawhi Leonard step up. I saw Tony Parker and Manu and Tim step up. And in no time, right before halftime, the Spurs had caught up. And even at halftime, I knew if the Spurs could overcome, you know, a 15, 18-point deficit in the quarter, I knew we had it. Yeah. The game was halfway over, and I knew the Spurs had it. But there was a moment where I didn't think we were going to win because we were so far behind there. But because of how the Spurs can come back, because they can sub in fresh guys from their bench who are just as talented as their starters, uh, you can't. You just can't discount them. You just you can't. Yeah, and, and I'm sure they're going to be able to use a little bit of that <laughs> black magic this season too. I mean, just watching them play last night, they were in control of that game. Um, despite kind of the the end game where the Clippers were up a little bit and, and the Spurs just forced it into OT, the Spurs were really the dominant team. I mean, they were trading baskets back and forth the entire time, but they were they definitely had a leg up on the Clippers for the majority of that game. And if they can just kind of keep that pressure on, keep that you know that superiority, then I think that that's going to give them the chance to edge out Blake Griffin and Chris Paul because. You know, those are the Clippers are still a young team, and the Spurs just might be able to. You know, maybe it's just psychological, just that 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 little bit of edge that's going to give them the chance to get through. 
You know, it is it is psychological, and that's kind of the game Pop plays. Uh, a lot of people aren't a big fan of it, but when the Spurs started fouling DeAndre Jordan, uh, almost every possession last game, uh, it's it's for a purpose. Yeah. You know, every time you found DeAndre Jordan, there's there's a very good chance he's not going to make both of those free throws, and you take the ball out of Blake Griffin's hands. Yeah, it's true. You know, so. A lot of people aren't fans of that. You know, it started with Hacka Shack years ago. Uh, I've seen other other Hacka, Hacka you name it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and Hacka Jordan. Honestly, it worked. It's totally stopped any momentum the Warriors potentially had. Yeah, there was a point where DeAndre Jordan, I think, missed seven free throws in a row. Yeah. I mean, you're a professional basketball player. <laughs> you know, uh, th- that shouldn't happen. Unfortunately, though, when uh, being seven feet tall gives you a huge advantage on on you know making millions of dollars in the NBA. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you can shoot free throws or not. Yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> so uh, let's let's take it here on the go home question. Uh, how much would you pay to get Reggie Miller off of national TV commentary duties for the rest oh, of your life? Oh man, Reggie <laughs> Miller. Uh, that's bad news right there. Uh, sometimes I wonder if. They brought on Reggie Miller just to make Charles Barkley look good. <laughs> you know, Charles, he used to be a Charles used to be a big fan of Spurs, but he's changed his tune lately. Um, and man, he does not add a lot, and it can be really annoying. He makes fun of San Antonio, but then you bring in Reggie Miller, who just <sighs> just can't quite, you know, put it all together. He he tries to come up with his catchphrases. He can't remember them very well. He can't <laughs> execute them very well. It sounds kind of funny when he talks. Uh, it reminds me of some of the local commentators you hear on your local Fox Sports station or so. Um, but the amount of money I paid to to hear anybody else besides Reggie Miller, I probably I would give up tickets for a playoff game just <laughs> yeah. to sit at home and watch somebody else commentate <laughs> on that. That's about how much money I'd spend. Yeah, it, for me, like there was a moment really early in the game, uh, Matt Barnes on the Clippers horse collars. I think it was Ginobili, or yeah, uh, and it kind of like brings him down. And you know, is you know, is a fair play. Sure, it's still pretty rough. And the way that Reggie Miller just kind of called it, he's like, "Hey, that's just a foul. It's just a foul. It's no big deal. It's just a foul." I'm oh like, my god! Yeah, it's just a foul, but it's pretty dirty. And can we at least <laughs> acknowledge the fact that? You know, he went down hard. That was a body slam. Uh, and Reggie <laughs> Miller never got fouled that way because you never saw him in the paint. True. Maybe maybe they hired him because they felt bad for him and Charles Barkley for never <laughs> winning anything. You know, and so it's kind of a sympathy position uh, for, for both of them. But sometimes I like watching Reggie Miller just to see how ridiculous it's going to get. Uh, I think I, I heard him say the team was throwing the whole kitchen book at Dirk. Uh, and then, of course, uh, they just gave Charles the opportunity to make fun of him uh, and say, you know, Reggie, it's, uh, it's a kitchen sink. And so I sometimes I see, see Reggie is just uh, – he gives Charles Barkley a break. Yeah. And, and Shaquille O'Neal. Can't forget about that guy. Oh, man. I never want to see Shaquille O'Neal on my television ever again. Having having the two of them bookend that broadcast is unbelievable. I, I like Charles Barkley. I think he's got like he's astute at his analysis, and he's he's a smart basketball player. He's a smart observer of the game. The and I kind of love how opinionated he is, but he can back it up. 
Whereas like Shaq is just the like the goofy kid at the lunch table who like makes funny noises the entire time that you're trying <laughs> to have a serious conversation. Like it's so distracting and it it's probably fun for those guys on stage, but like yeah. when you're at home it's just like all right, time to time to mute. Can't watch these highlights or I can't watch this part of the game. I'm going to flip it over now. So give us your projection for the next game. Let's not look all the way ahead, but let's just say game three, Spurs Clippers in San Antonio. Who do you got? What's the spread? Well, game three uh, is tomorrow. You know, it's Friday night. That's a short turnaround from the tough game both teams played last night. And I think that short turnaround and home court advantage is going to play to the Spurs benefit. Uh, They're going to be glad to be back in San Antonio. And the Clippers are still going to be so a little, you know, a little exhausted, a little bit down from that loss, taking a tough way. Uh, but I think because of that short turnaround, I think the Spurs are going to win on Friday by by eight points. Now, eight points won't seem like the final score. They'll really be leading by about 14 or 15 most of the fourth quarter. But after the Spurs put in, uh, put in their bench, put in their B team, their C team, it'll lower it down to eight. But I think the Spurs are still going to win Friday. Bold statement. Bold statement. Uh, I, I got to agree. I think the Spurs are probably going to win this one. Um, I think it might be a little bit tighter. I think we might be looking at a very similar game, um, especially with the short turnaround. Maybe a, maybe a bit more low scoring overall. Um, but I think the Spurs will take game three, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, after that, um, you know, I really need to see the Spurs day to day in order to uh, predict past the next game. Yeah, definitely. I think that's well, and, and you know, I, it's so great that we could do this episode just because every other series right now is two and zero. Oh. Right. Like I'm not going to be surprised if everyone just sweeps in the first round, but this one's going all the way, and that's what makes this the big game of the week. I I totally agree. I totally agree. It was so exciting. Definitely a game worth staying up for. Yeah, you were up till what, like one, one thirty in the morning on these uh, coasts? About two o'clock, actually. You know, Oof. the uh, the hacker Jordan really made this last four minutes <laughs> last about twenty. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm on the East Coast this week, so the game started at ten thirty for me. So it was a late one, but definitely worth it. Definitely worth it. If it's a playoffs, you know, I'm watching it. All right, Dave. Thanks for being insomniac uh, for the big game and for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Justin. I loved it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher. Please leave a review on one of those sites if you like what you hear. Check out our new website at biggamepod.com or drop me a line at JethroTarget on Twitter. Special thanks to Nick Courage for the web design. It looks great, buddy. If you like books about rock and roll, dystopian futures, and lightning coming out of your hands, pick up a copy of his new book, The Loudness, anywhere you can buy a book. Also, as always, thanks Brandon Kelly for the logo design, and a special shout-out to Brian Wirt, the craziest Spurs fan from Cincinnati you'll ever meet. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game.